welcome back, everybody. It's time again for another episode of Living Hope, designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer, sharing the real-life stories of those really affected and how they deal with this deadly disease on a daily basis. With our host, she knows a bit or two about this subject here, <laughs> been living it a while herself. Uh, welcome, Roberta Luna. Thank you, Paul. I think I know a little bit, but you know, it's amazing how much I learn every time we do a podcast from what I learn from yeah. everybody. So it's really a great opportunity and I appreciate it. So thank you. Today we have Andrea O'Donnell with us. She is a certified nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of Rising Roots Nutrition. She started her business after years of struggling with her own health issues and not feeling heard or supported by doctors. That's not really a big surprise to me either, but thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you being here. And do you mind sharing a little bit with us what your health issues were, what got you started? Are you comfortable with that? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me today. It started back really in college. I lived a, I want to say, pretty healthy life that I thought, right? As far as eating, I came from a European background, so we didn't eat much sugar, but we had a lot of stress in the family. And when I went to college, started gaining some weight. I thought it was the freshman 15, you know how it yes. usually is. And I just kept gaining weight and I was experiencing low energy, digestive issues. And so I started seeing doctors and they kept telling me, oh, your labs are normal. Everything is fine. It's all in your head. One doctor even tell me, oh, you, you must be going a little crazy. And that to me was just such a turning point. I was like, I think I know my body better than most, right? right. <laughs> Better than anyone. And so I started doing my own research. And then I got married to my current husband and we were trying to conceive and we were having trouble conceiving. And again, went to doctors and they just run labs. And so sometimes they told me my TSH, so your thyroid was a little low, that it was normal. So they kind of diagnosed me with subclinical hypothyroid. So I started seeking out more of a holistic approach so seeing acupuncturist functional doctor and they helped me to kind of get my menstrual cycle back on and then I finally caved and I took the <laughs> levothyroxine and then two weeks later had my period and two weeks later I got pregnant with my first but that really opened my eyes to what was happening around me and just in western medicine and I just really wanted to bring my daughter into a healthy environment. So I started changing what I was eating and researching, and then that was kind of the rabbit hole that kept going. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got it taken care of, and I'm sorry, I, but you know, I truly understand because when I was first, you know, diagnosed, it took really for a long time for them to even look at it because it wasn't until I lost my dad and I went to them and said, you know, I've lost my dad to pancreatic cancer and his mom as well. What do I need to do? And was told, don't worry about it. It's not hereditary, and you're too young to even think about it. So, you know, I, I don't understand why, you know, we do, we know our, our body's better. And especially if our doctors know that we're not hypochondriacs, that when we mm -hmm. come in, we need to, you know, have them look and, and look at something. How long did it take you to actually go through this whole process? About, I want to say six years, six years of going back and forth to doctors and getting labs done and then seeing different doctors. I mean, there were so many other things, other symptoms that were happening. I remember I was um, having dizziness, lightheadedness. I would have that where you kind of feel like the earth is moving underneath you. So I saw an ENT. 
I was seeing all these different specialists and nobody can figure out what was going on. They just wanted to give me another prescription. Here's a prescription, here's uh, potassium supplements, but they weren't looking at the root cause of like what was going on, which was now I know was more of a leaky gut. I know that a lot of it was attributed to my stress. So my autonomic nervous system was off constantly in a fight or flight. But again, that was my research and doing it and then you know, when my daughter came into the world, I was wholeheartedly dedicated to making sure that she was healthy. And she started out with perceived pneumonia. So she was in the NICU for seven days. And so again, that stress and everything happening, it was just my own research and wanting to know more. And the more that I learned, the more I wanted to learn. And so it was just a never ending journey, I'd say, and still is. And then this is why you started your company or how you started your company? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I've always been passionate about health and wellness. And when I started doing this research, I'm like, I want to be able to help others. My background in counseling. So I have a master's in counseling, and that's what I worked in for over a decade. So I love helping people. But when I started talking to friends and my family and their health issues and their, again, their needs not being met, their frustrations with doctors, that's when I was like, I want to help. I want to be able to help people so they don't have to do this for six years of their own research and the frustrations. I want to be able to help them get to the root cause faster. And honestly, a lot of that is also my mom. She has struggled for, I mean, ever since I've known her with health issues and a lot of trauma, a lot of stress. I remember being six years old and at that time she used to smoke cigarettes. I would take the cigarettes and I would break them and put gum (laughs) in the cigarette boxes and telling her to drink water and all this other stuff. So it's like the passion was always there. And I just wanted to help motivate people so that they can feel better. So they didn't have to go through what I went through as far as this journey. And that's when I decided to go back and get certified as a nutritional therapy practitioner. And that was in 2020, not because of the pandemic, it just happened to (laughs) Timing, right? (laughs) Timing, exactly. And that's when I started my business. And you you mentioned your mom. Your mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer Mm -hmm. and unfortunately died within 28 days of that diagnosis? Correct, yeah. So she wasn't feeling well last year. And, you know, at that time, again, from my limited certificate knowledge that I had, I was trying to help her. And I was kind of always getting close with gallbladder, liver, like it was around that area. But note, the doctors weren't doing anything. They tested her blood once and... I just remember there was no help. She just wasn't feeling good, so I sent her to my acupuncturist. I sent her to my chiropractor, and we just couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I remember in December, she was just really tired, really tired. She kept complaining about back pain. That's why I sent her to the mm-hmm. chiropractor in the middle. Of, and she had back pain before, but you know I can just see that something was off, so I said, enough is enough. You have to go get an ultrasound or get seen. She made an appointment. It took six weeks to be seen. When she was supposed to get seen, it was the day after Christmas. The doctor called out sick. So again, we're just waiting around. So I remember January 4th, she calls me and she's like, I'm just not feeling good. I'm like, okay, go to urgent care. You got to do something. They went to urgent care, did an ultrasound. Then we found out she had five tumors on her liver. At that point, you know, everybody was already saying, their condolences and apologizing to the doctors and everything. And we moved her into our home immediately. And then we found out on January 30th that it was pancreatic cancer, stage four. 
and um, February 6th, she passed away. And that is all this year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry your mom had to go through that. I can't believe it took her, si- well, I can believe it took her six weeks to get the ultrasound for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Doctors don't tend to rush her. They don't look at the pancreas. I'm still, mm-hmm. you know, still a mystery to me, especially, I don't know, in your family, did you have any other cancer? Or was there any pancreatic, like pancreatitis or anything? No, no. My mom, she had skin cancer in 2014, and I believe it was uterine cancer, but it was stage one. So they just did a hysterectomy and, uh, you know, surgery on the skin. But as far as like a family history of it, no. Um, and that was the one thing is every year they would check, you know, they would just do a routine blood work. And I remember in December of 2021, they did a routine blood work and they checked her liver and there was nothing there. So in less, in that year span, something just metastasized that quickly and just took her over. You mentioned your mom had, you know, back aches. Did she have any other symptoms or you said she wasn't feeling well and was tired? Was there anything else that, that comes to your mind? Yeah, she experienced a lot of heartburn. So a lot of acid reflex, a lot of pain. So it started like pain in her stomach. And at that time, I was giving her digestive enzymes to help with that. And again, I didn't think of pancreas either. I was thinking more gallbladder, liver, because where she was pointing to. And that helped. So she would feel better when she would take it. But she just complained a lot about like stomach acid and heartburn and just stomach pain. So I did some muscle testing on her and then I was trying to give her B vitamins. And I remember at one point it was like everything I was testing her for wasn't enough which was unusual to me because usually you have a point of enough, Mm -hmm. but it was the fatigue. I remember she'd be falling asleep. You know, she'd come to play with my kids and she'd fall asleep on the couch for like 10 minutes. And she was just always talking about some pain either in her stomach, in her back. Oh, and then she had like some bowel movement issues as well. But again, we were focusing on more digestive, trying to figure that out. Oh, like I said, the pancreas is usually the last thing anybody even thinks about. Especially when you're having stomach issues, you think gallbladder, ulcer, you know, different things, so. And I do remember actually right now, she was also diagnosed type two diabetes early last year. So she had insulin resistance. So one thing about my mom is, you know, she was an amazing woman, but she had a lot of trauma and she was addicted to sugar. Always was that person that would kind of like sneak you know, the Easter candy, you know, before giving it to us. And just, I think that was her coping mechanism, you know, was emotional eating. And so I'd constantly be trying to help her wean off, not just sugar, but carbs, like the breads and cookies and cakes and all that. And so she was overweight and we were trying to help her lose the weight as well. And so when she was diagnosed with type two diabetes, it was like right on the fringe and she was like adamant that she didn't have it. So we tried metformin or the doctor put metformin, she kept feeling worse. And then she started getting night sweats and like sweating attacks in the middle of the day. And this was around November, I remember, like she just kind of got like pale and she would just like these sweat attacks. So then they took her off metformin because they thought it was the metformin. And they were trying again, we were trying more holistic measures because we were focused on the diabetes and I was focused on the insulin resistant now knowing backwards that the pancreas is the one that releases insulin but again 
wasn't thinking of that. Right, and you don't. And I think Paul has a question. Yeah, and we actually had a couple of questions come in here, and one of them was one I was thinking of. Before we say it, I'm just going to make a comment. What great work you do. Isn't this the problem with the Great American Diet? Salt and sugar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everything is packed with salt and sugar. If it isn't, we put it in there. We put it on. The only way I can drink coffee is put 10 packets of sugar in it. You know, we're <laughs> we'll trained. We'll talk our, about that. <laughs> we're trained to think that salt and sugar are necessary ingredients to any meal here. So mm -hmm. the question I had and someone else had too is, is there any evidence, I've, I've heard anecdotal evidence, that sugar feeds cancer? A hundred percent. 100% sugar feeds cancer. There are actually numerous studies out there that show that it, it feeds cancer. Not only does sugar feed cancer, but it also feeds a lot of other diseases and issues such as candida, which is a yeast overgrowth in the stomach, SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. So a lot of digestive issues, sugar really feeds that H. pylori. You can pretty much trace nine times out of 10 things back to sugar. If I didn't eat sugar, would the cancer still come? Or does the cancer come and then hit some sugar and it goes, wow, and it really grows and goes? Is it causation or is it just an acceleration? You know, that's really hard to say because I'm not a, a medical doctor, so I can't, you know, treat or diagnose. But what I can say is that sugar creates inflammation mm. in the body and the inflammation is then what creates the cancerous cells or the lack of ATP or oxygen in the mitochondria. And that's what creates the cells from proliferating in, an, in a harmful way. We do another show on Thursday mornings here, uh, Health Talks with Dr. Trin. He's a, is a doctor, he's on the board of Alzheimer's and he's always ranting against inflammation. He's yeah. usually approaching it in terms of brain health, inflammation yep. and brain health. But inflammation, inflammation, anything that causes inflammation yep. in your body, inflammation's not a good thing. It's not your body's trying to fight something. Absolutely, and that's a really good point. They actually have coined type three diabetes. I don't know if you heard of that with Alzheimer's. Mm. So it's the unofficial name for it, but if you type in Alzheimer's, it's now called type three diabetes. Again, because of the correlation between the sugar and the insulin resistance in the brain. So again, it's the sugar that's creating the inflammation. So one more question, then I'll go back to Roberta here. And you call yourself a, or you're certified as, or listed as, or whatever, a term I never heard, nutritional <laughs> therapist. I've heard of nutritionists, and it's like, oh, they're just gonna tell me what not to eat. But you're using nutrition in some sort of therapeutic sense, I gather. Tell me what the difference is between a nutritionist and a nutritional therapist. Oh, that's a great question. So a nutritionist, and this is the very simplistic term, is they're looking at calories in, calories out. So like you said, they're telling you what to eat, what not to eat. They may look at macronutrients. A nutritional therapy practitioner, we look at the whole body from a holistic perspective. So I look more than just foods. I'm looking at sleep, stress, movement, hydration, environmental toxins, all of that and how that lays into your overall health and well-being. So a big part of that for me is I'm also a breathwork facilitator. I'm talking. Hey, what? What was that? <laughs> you throw these out so casually. Oh, I'm a breathwork. Oh yeah, my neighbor's one of those. My cousin just started that. What is that? So a, a breathwork facilitator is somebody that helps to move breath in the body so that we can release energy because they say that our issues are in our tissues. 
Right. So, New shoes are in a tissue. Oh, there's one to right. put on the wall here. Yeah. And so these experiences that we have since we were young, you know, we may forget it, but it still stays in the subconscious and it stays in our cells. And so breathing is such an important thing that a lot of us have forgotten how to do properly. I mean, we all have to breathe in order to live, right? But most of us are breathing from the chest. So taking very shallow breaths. And when we learn how to breathe properly, like full inhales, and exhale, we're able to regulate our autonomic nervous system, which is another fun word for <laughs> our rest and digest or our fight and flight. And so this is really important. Again, it's a piece of what I do because like I mentioned, a lot of my past had to do with stress and the stress really caused a lot of my digestive issues. Another fun thing I like to say to my clients is, when stress is on, digestion is off. <laughs> and that's just a really simplistic term of saying when we're stressed out because you know we have to answer a work email or we're in traffic or you're running after the kids or we're, you know all these thoughts are in our mind that we're not focusing on our digestive system and so all the blood leaves these organs and goes to our muscles so that we can run from the bear or we can fight the bear. You know, it goes back <laughs> to caveman times. So. That's how a nutritional therapist looks at things. It's not just food, but we're looking at all aspects. Okay. Well. I could ask five more questions, but it's Roberta's show here, right? Well, if you have something really important, then feel free. I mean, you know, we, we can share the mic here. Well, I, one more comment. I think that what I'm beginning to believe is stress is the great American disease. Yes. It's not heart it's not even mm -hmm. cancer. It starts with stress. Yes. We are all living stressful lives. Mm -hmm. Too little time, too little money, racing around, mm -hmm. eating fast food, quick, boop, boop, boop. Everything is fast, quick, rush, push, and we always feel in stress. I don't know whether our ancestors in the 1800s felt the same mm -hmm. kind of stress, but no, we certainly do. You nailed it. That, and that's the show. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's yeah. that's a hundred percent correct. And you know, back in the day, they did have stress. Like I said, it was a tiger, you know, coming into their village, or it was some sort of famine, or you know, something like that. But it wasn't on a daily basis, and they used they rested a lot, so they you know had their siesta. On the seventh day, there you rest, go. Yeah, they actually rested. They yeah. rested, you know, in the afternoon, you know, under a tree, ate their apple. So we have that, but stress comes in a lot of different forms. There's eustress, which is stress from movement, like exercise, so it could be good stress. Mm. So we have that, right? We're exercising, but we're also sedentary most of the time, most of us. So the stress that we're experiencing could be mental, emotional, but it also can be physical, and it can be from the food that we're eating. That can cause stress. So again, going back to inflammation, creates stress on the body. And one of the greatest, I've, I've suffered from anxiety attacks and other things at various times in my life, particularly when I get in an airplane, I feel claustrophobic and whatnot. Mm. And just breathing, deep breathing, mm -hmm. slowing your breath down, because when you start to get stressed, first thing you breathe faster. Yep. You not only breathe shallow, but you, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have a heart attack or whatever. You went through yoga, Roberta. Yeah, I did yoga, and this was all from my holistic doctor, yoga and meditation. And isn't it a large part and of that, not just the movement, but the breathing? The breathing, which I really loved at the end. We did this mm -hmm. whole breathing thing at the very end, and it was really, really, really great. The meditation was harder for me because my brain just keeps, mm -hmm. my mind keeps going, but I really loved the the meditation or the breathing from 
the yoga that we did, it was just so relaxing. And Absolutely. That's what a breathwork facilitator does. So that's what I did last okay. night with a client. We spent an hour doing a meditative breathwork session, a very restorative, but it's just teaching people how to breathe properly, like you just said. You know, in through the nose, exhale through the nose or through the mouth, having longer exhales because that's when we're releasing. But that's essentially what I do, what I help with. And it, it does make a difference. I mean, mm -hmm. you'd be surprised unless you try it. It really is something, yeah. yeah it, you think about it, like say you breathe every day you think well i'm always breathing right but you know and it, it's it's a, a big difference so, mm -hmm. yeah. like when you take just when suddenly somebody says something and you take a deep sigh <sighs> yes. how good that feels it's like yes. oh you're just releasing something <laughs> okay all right you're right i gotta slow down i gotta let go i can't worry about this exactly yeah. exactly a hundred percent now, unfortunately, you said your mom only survived approximately about 28 days, right? So mm -hmm. does that, she was not able to get any treatment or anything or start anything at all? No, no. I remember sitting in the room with her and the doctor came and she said, well, I mean, we could try chemo, but pretty much it's not going to do anything. And I remember my mom looked at her and she's like, well, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And she was like, I would just enjoy the time that you have. And at that point... They said that she had six months to live. So again, like I said, we moved her into our home and we were expecting six months. A few days later, uh, we had at that point brought in hospice. And well, first it was uh, those nurses that come and kind of like check in. And then a couple days later, like, no, we need to get hospice. So then all, they started bringing in all the beds and everything. And then I remember a few days after that, the hospice nurse said to me, we have probably a month. And then a day later, it was, we have two weeks. And then the morning of, before she passed, she actually threw up, like her liver died. And it was blood everywhere. And so they said one week. And that evening she passed. And I remember that, thank goodness, there was a nurse there. And she was like, okay, this is what you're going to be experiencing, you know, as they transition, yada, yada. And this is going to last for a few days. And then when she passed several minutes later, she, the nurse was like, wow, I have never seen anybody go so quickly. We just keep saying at least she didn't suffer. Yeah, I went through a similar experience with my dad. As, you know, you asked the doctor how long, and they told me, they said, well, he has three to six months because it had spread everywhere. It's funny because, I mean, I know my dad knew that we loved him and we cared and stuff, but when they tell you you only have a certain length of time, it's like you try to cram everything into mm -hmm. that time. And we were preparing to bring my dad here to California because he was in another state and I don't feel he was getting the proper medical. But anyway, we were preparing to bring him here and just, you know, we were making weekend trips down there to be with him and just to do whatever we could to help him and my mom. And thinking we had this, you know, this time, at least three months to do what we wanted to do and tell him everything. And my mm -hmm. dad was gone within two weeks. So mm -hmm. he didn't he never made it to California. But it's difficult and you know there's a lot of frustration and anger that goes because my dad was he wanted to fight but the doctors didn't want to his comment was we don't want to waste the chemo because we know he's dying wow. whereas my dad was fine to be per se the you know the guinea pig and try if he thought it would it would help somebody else we tried some like more holistic but again that was four days of trying like my mom at that point she couldn't sleep so she was tired all the time but couldn't mm -hmm. sleep so we were trying valerian root to help her. We even tried a little, like this CBD gummy, like the doctor recommended right. that for the pain because she was very stubborn and did not want to take any <laughs> pain medicine. And then they told us to watch for 
if she's no longer having bowel movements. So we were, again, I was trying like different holistic means to kind of help her make comfortable, but we were all in shock. Like mm -hmm. all of us were just. And kind of throw in one more comment. You said another thing that just I got to respond to or highlight. Let's put it that way. My mother had Parkinson's. She didn't have that kind of, she did a breast cancer, but they removed her breast and that seemed to resolve the issue. They got it all. Her problem was Parkinson's, which led to dementia. Mm. And so she was in and out of the hospital. She fell all the time. The more she fell, the more frightened she was, the more she wouldn't get up. And then the weaker she got, and it was just a death spiral, it really mm. was. And it, a, a slow one, it took years to go through this. In the end, what killed her was her bowel movement stopped. Mm -hmm. Everything backed up. Mm -hmm. And she got sepsis, poison, whatever you mm -hmm. call this magic thing here. Mm -hmm. That's what killed her. Mm. And my dad was furious because he could see, he was always saying, well, she's not going to the bathroom, she's not going to the bathroom. And they're like, hey, we got bigger issues to worry about. No, that was the issue. Yeah. You don't release, it backs up and you can die. Exactly. The toxins. Yeah. And that's just with anybody. That's not just even with Parkinson's or cancer. That's in general, motility is so important and it's so under talked about. I mean, I don't know about you, but. I don't but know what is motility the name for it. <laughs> yeah, you can say, yes, motility is the a movement. Nice of having a bowel movement. A bowel or, movement. Or yes. poop. A yeah, poop. Yes. Yeah. Roberta would just bluntly say, poop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I go to the doctors, and my nurse, first thing she says, floaters or sinkers. And I know she's talking about poop because they can tell a lot about, a your, lot. Bowel, about your bowel movements, your stools and stuff. So, and a lot yeah. about your health. So, one of the tests that I do with a lot of my clients is functional stool testing. Because, you know, as Hippocrates says that all disease begins in the gut, you know, he's about 98% correct, <laughs> but 98% is still the majority of disease. And so the gut is so important. And so that's something that we talk about really is your stool. And we talk about the floaters and sinkers and the size and the color and, you know, all that. But it's not <laughs> something that we regularly talk about, you know, in America. You're not going out with friends and be like, how's, how's your you don't, you don't share your comparison. <laughs> yeah, <show>? like. <laughs> How many days has it been? Oddly enough, you? my father would. He was a fanatic about that. That's why he paid attention. He used to keep a daily chart, and he wow. would show it to anybody at the drop of a hat. He had, I don't know, five or six categories that he tracked or something, you know, size, shape, color, whatever. I love it. And yeah. he was always trying to give this information to the doctor because somewhere along the way he decided this was really important. And most of the doctors were like, that's really nice. Why don't you <laughs> no, my <laughs> doctor, put that away? <laughs> my doctor and nurse, it's very important. Like I said, first thing I walk into the door, it's floaters or sinkers. And, you know, talk about the smell and the look and uh, d different other <laughs> things. But getting back to yeah. so uh, losing your mom, and did that kind of inspire or refuel your want to have a better life for people? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I'd say, if anything, I mean, that has been the blessing in disguise is it has just refueled my passion to really want to motivate people to living healthier lives. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. You know, I feel like oftentimes it's an uphill battle, <laughs> you know, trying to convince people to live healthier lives because it's like people want to, but so many people just want the magic pill or a quick fix. Amen to that. I was going to say that we all, we all want to do better, but just give me something to fix it. Exactly. And I'm like, there isn't, I can tell you, you know, a few things to Feel better immediately but we're not getting to the root of the issue I want you to be able to live good long term and this is something I explain about in my detox program and when I work with clients is sustainable living that it's gonna take a little bit more time you know like it took how many years to put the weight on or how many years to get to a diabetes diagnosis or whatever it is it's gonna take time to reverse it but you absolutely can for most 
things, not everything, but for most things, or at least manage the symptoms. And so, you know, like I said, my mom was addicted to sugar. And I remember one of the last things I asked her, not knowing that she was passing, was, do you finally believe me how addictive sugar is? And she said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the last things I asked her because it was just a constant frustration. If it wasn't the sugar, it was making sure you drink your water. She wasn't drinking enough water and then again being constipated. So it has fueled me to really want to help people. And I, I just, I want to help motivated people, right? Because I've also banged my head against the wall trying to help people <laughs> who are not ready. So it's like helping them find the point where they're ready to make those changes and it can be small changes you know I don't expect people to change everything right away like we were talking about earlier I'm not one of those people that's going and say okay cleaning out your pantry never gonna see a donut again good luck but it's making small changes right Right. that lead to big results well time here goes by so quickly and we didn't go anywhere to get to everything (laughs) I wanted but if you wanted just to tell a little bit about how somebody can get in touch with you. And just to be transparent, I have signed up for your detox. I'm going to be trying it. And maybe we can have you come back afterwards and we can you know, discuss it and talk more about it and stuff. But yeah. if you want to let people know how they can get a hold of you, if they're interested in more information, then you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is probably the easiest. It's risingrootsnutrition.com. And on there, there's a work with me tab and you can click for a free 20 minute discovery call. And on the call, we're literally just sitting down and I wanna learn more about your health concerns, what are your health goals? And then we do an initial consultation and that is a nutritional assessment questionnaire, which is a deep dive into people's symptoms, which a lot of people don't realize how their symptoms are correlated and connect. You know, simple things as dry skin or their headaches or you know trouble sleeping there's so many things that are connected dandruff you know that they just don't realize is all in play and so we do this and then we meet afterwards for 30 minutes and I kind of review this symptom burden graph and then we talk about next steps what are the best ways to really support them in their health journey so that's the best way or they can also always email me at andrea at risingrootsnutrition.com Right. Well, thank you for coming. I appreciate And again, once I finish, <laughs> I get started and finish the detox. So I'll have you come back and we'll talk about and discuss it a little bit more. So I appreciate your, your honesty and thank you for opening up about your mom. I really do appreciate it. As long as you speak my name, I shall live forever. It's dedicated to Beata. 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 Sorry, Newman. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, there you have it. One more reason to tune in each and every time to Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer, sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. And if you'd like to share your story, by all means, contact us here at the station. And of course, as always, if there's anyone you need know that needs help now, lots of resources. We've given you several. We'll give you another one today. Call contact patient services at 877 the number two pancan 877-2 P-A-N-C-A-N for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. For the OC Talk Radio Network, I'm Paul Roberts, thanking you for tuning in, hoping you'll share this information with somebody you know, and by all means come back again. 
as we stream live from our studios here at the University of California Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. 